Hey, everybody, it's Jules here. All right, I'm going to start off um, this episode of the podcast with a statistic that was shocking to me. That is 53% of Americans go through a season of poverty in their lifetime. Yeah, I was just as shocked when I heard that. And that's what Kathy Bergeron told me. Now, Kathy Bergeron is the executive director of Real Life Center. And uh, Kathy, you came in the door right before we even started recording, and you told me that mm-hmm. statistic mm-hmm. And, and how your ministry is providing assistance um, to, um, to not people out there, but people like us, because we can go through a season of poverty in a, a blink of an eye. Absolutely. And uh, you, the Real Life Center... Y'all help in a, uh, just a, a wealth of ways. I mean, I'm going to list off some stuff, but it still doesn't give it just to what, what you do. You help with rent, food pantry, uh, clothes closet. Um, you help with um, job training, budgeting, parenting. You have an orchard. But mainly you come alongside and have a relationship with people. Um, because, like I said, it's not people out there. It's people here. Mm-hmm. And it could be you. It could be me. And you come alongside and you partner. Right. So lots of times people will come to us at the point of crisis. And that means I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my mortgage or my utilities. And so if I don't help them at that point of crisis, I really don't have the ability to be able to invest in them long term. So we really have two strategies. One is a crisis strategy to help someone just get some stability in their life. And then the other is to invest in them to help create long-term change. Wow. Would you unpack that 53%? Because I'm thinking about the listener at home and they're hearing that and they're like, that's not right, Jules. Mm -hmm. You probably just misunderstood Kathy when she told that to you. (laughs) But unpack that. 53% will have a season of poverty in their life. Mm -hmm. And these are Americans. These are Americans. It's in the United States. And it's interesting because we live as if nothing bad is ever going to happen to us. We think it's going to happen. Oh, yeah, just work hard, right? That's right. That's right. It's how we grow up. Um, The American dream, you work hard, everything turns out rosy in the end. But that's not always what happens, and that's not really what God promises either. So, you know, what, what we found is that really it can be one thing that can knock you off your feet. And the three biggest reasons why people come to us is job loss or underemployment, unexpected health issues, and unexpected family issues. And if you've lived long enough, you've probably experienced at least one of those or something similar that may have uh, knocked you off your feet. And and so over half. Mm -hmm. And it's a season. It doesn't mean they'll stay there, but it's a loss of income. This is a financial poverty, so it's a loss of income. So you lose your job, you lose your health, you go through a divorce. All of a sudden, you're trying to care for aging parents and and you're missing work. Uh, Maybe something's happened with one of your children. It doesn't take much to knock you off your feet. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's a blink of an eye, and Mm -hmm. I think um, that's the shocking factor of it all. Right. But it can happen to me, even though I work really hard and I try really hard and I'm a really good Christian. Yeah. Well, and you know, we often hear that statistic that says most Americans have about a three-month savings. But the reality of it is, is a lot of times, even if we do have that three-month savings, we we hold on to a hope that, okay, well, well, something will happen tomorrow or something will happen next week or next month. And and we hold on to that hope, and then we get to that end of our savings, and we go, oh, no, what am I going to do? Mm, mm. And and that's a lot of times what happens. 
Well, and Real Life Center has um, been a mainstay here in South Atlanta for 20 years. Yeah, this is our 20th year. That is awesome. Uh, That is awesome. mm -hmm. Since we incorporated, we actually uh, really worked in the back of our church uh, just um, very minimally until about 2003. And well, then, go, go. You say that. You, you say very minimally. Ooh, tell us though um, how this all started by a couple of loaves of bread. Right, right. It's such a good reminder to me that you can just do one thing to help someone. And so there was a gal that she had been through hard times in her own life, and she was at the grocery store and saw bread being thrown away. And so she's like, somebody could use that. And so she was really the person that said, well, we'll take it. And so we started delivering bread to some low-income areas. Wow. So that's where we started. And 20 years later, Mm -hmm. look at y'all now. 20 years, yeah. Wow, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, you know a little bit about how one day everything in your life can change. I do. I do. So you want me to expand on that? Well, only if you feel comfortable. <laughs> I do. Actually, you know, it's interesting. When when we go through hard times, our initial reaction is just to hold it in and to isolate ourselves. And on the outside to say, I'm good. I'm fine. It's what we do with each other. How are you today? Oh, I'm fine. But really, your life could be falling apart. And you still say, I'm fine. And you mm. smile on the outside. And I experienced that firsthand. I'll never forget, um, we had recently relocated to the Atlanta area. Um, My husband worked with the airlines. We had four children. And um, how old were you, little babies or? No, my, well, my youngest was four and my oldest was 14. So slightly busy. Yeah, it was a, it was busy, but it, you know, it was good. Life was good. I was a homeschooling mom. I was Mm -hmm. involved in my church. Um, we were in a couple's Bible study. I mean, I was living the American dream, right? Nice mm-hmm. home. The Christian American dream. Yeah, I mean, Bible absolutely. study. Yeah. yeah. And um, I realized that things were becoming very different in my ho- household, but I just couldn't couldn't quite put my finger on it. And um, at one point, this was way back before 9-11, I went to the airport. I watched my husband uh, get off of the airplane in civilian clothes go into the restroom and change into his uniform and come home as if he had been on a trip. And at that point, I discovered that he had fallen in love with someone else and um, wanted a different life. And so one day everything seemed fine, Mm -hmm. and it was just not too long afterwards when it wasn't. And, you know, what I wanted to do was isolate myself. I wanted to sit down in the corner and cry, but my four kids kept me going. But, you know, God has a way of using the hardest things in our lives mm. to change our perspective. And really, the things I walk through really helped uh, change the trajectory of what we do at the Real Life Center because we realize that hard time isn't limited to the low income. Hard times happen to all of us regardless. Because in, in a moment, you had to be the breadwinner. Right. When you were staying at home right. and you were um, homeschooling. Right. So all of that changed. And so I had to figure out what to do. How to make a budget. Right. Right. Income. Right. And I, you know, I'm educated. I have a a college degree at the time, but I just had never done insurance or any of that kind of stuff. I just let my husband do it. You know, I grew up in a very traditional home. Uh, Again, it's just that reminder that no matter who we are, those unexpected things can happen. And so... Mm. Part of the Real Life Center is being there for each other. 
and providing a safe place for neighbor to help neighbor. How did you get through that time? You know, I had uh, some friends and uh, a great supportive family, even though they didn't live close by me, they were still incredibly supportive. And at the time that this was happening in my life, we had changed churches and I was trying really hard to plug in. Uh, My undergraduate was social work and I saw that this ministry was just getting started. And so I signed up so that I could get to meet people. Never in a million years did I think I'd still be here 20 years later. (laughs) But God has a way of doing that, right? Watch out what you volunteer for. Uh, That's right. That's right. But, you know, it quickly realized that we all need a support system and not everyone has that. And so if you come from a broken family, maybe you haven't, you don't have a church family, you, you're all alone. And that kind of has made us all to need each other and to connect and to have community. And so that's part of what we try to do at the Real Life Center is create connections and community as neighbor helping neighbor. I know it was a while ago now when your husband left you and you were mm-hmm. a single mom and mm-hmm. that was not the life you signed up for, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say the least. Um, but... Can you look back now over the years and see that God was preparing you and and orchestrating it all um, to what you're doing today with a real life center? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, Eugene Peterson, um, in one of his books, I read um, about how when you're discouraged today, what you need to do is look back on the road. Even if all you can see before you is just a dirt road that seems to never end and you want to just stop and rest. If you look back, what you can see is how God was faithful. And that's what gives you the strength and the courage to keep walking. It was such a beautiful word picture for me at the time. Um, You know, I grew up on a a dairy farm and, you know, I learned how to grow food and we were very conservative with our money. And um, those lessons that I learned early on, along with going through the hard times, really helped me understand and be better prepared for what I do today. And emotionally understand that, like we like we started off in the very beginning, go back mm-hmm. to that, that statistic, 53% of Americans go mm-hmm. through a season of poverty mm-hmm. in their life. You get that. I do. You know what that looks like. You know how that feels. And you know how in an instant your world can turn upside down. Mm-hmm. But it's our pride that wants to isolate us because we don't want people to know we're going through a hard time. Because there's a lot of shame with that. We have a sense that our lives are all supposed to be together all the time. And instead of being vulnerable and saying, hey, wait a minute, I do need help. And so, and I get that more than ever because of what I walk through. And so it makes it easier to be able to connect with people and put them at ease and say, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And when I need help, you can help me. <laughs> Well, you know, this this is radio, so you're not seeing who Kathy is um, pointing to because we have a, a guest, a friend that Kathy brought um, with her, and her his name is Walter Holston. And, and Walter, you're sitting there and you're hearing Kathy talk about that that um, it's a community, and um, and it's coming alongside um, because Real Life Center was there when you needed help in a community. Yes, it was. Uh- <clears throat> 2017, July, had been married 26 years, and um, my wife decided she wanted a divorce. I tried to struggle and keep the marriage together. While struggling to keep the marriage together, I was in finance, and um, 
worked at a major bank, and lost my job in, in September 2017. Mm. Then in 2000, October, we, do, we separated. And in November, I had a, here in Fayetteville at Ultimate Fitness Gym, um, I had a cardiac arrest and died for 18 minutes. Once I died, I went to the hospital and they brought me back. It happened to be two paramedics, off-duty firefighters at the gym. Just happened to be there. Just happened mm-hmm. to be there. Had ended up having open-heart surgery and um, recovered and had a couple of more surgeries. And then um, probably about 2018 early when I was going through cardio rehab, um, I was dealing with what Kathy was talking about the guilt, the shame. And um, when I reached out to the Real Life Center, uh, I was nervous and scared. But when I went in and went through the process, um, the most important thing I felt was respect um, that they were able to share with me, able to treat me as a human being. Not that I had, it was my fault that I had lost everything and everyone. And as I began to go through the the, the training, the uh, introduction of knowing who I was and what Real Life Center is and evaluating me. They were able to help me pay bills, mm. um, give me some clothing items and food. And so as I began to get stronger and healthier, I began to volunteer at other places um, uh, as the hospital that where I was saved uh, with the firefighters at Fayette County. And then once I began to uh, keeping in touch with Kathy. Uh, she continued to bring me back to the Real Life Center for fundraisers. And uh, we kept continued to keep in touch. And um, and also the volunteers who continue to call me yearly. I just had my yearly call about three weeks ago. Checking uh, in with checking you. Checking in, following up with me. Making sure you're not isolating exactly. yourself. Exactly. Seeing where my um, progress was. And now... I'm a volunteer coordinator with Halcyon Hospice in Atlanta. And what I do, I coordinate volunteers going out to hospice patients who are in the um, last stages of life. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Walter, Walter came in. Let me let me just let me do a little bit of behind the scenes. Walter came in, and I knew Kathy. Um, you said you wait till you hear Walter's testimony, and I said, "Don't tell me, don't tell me. I want I want to hear it on the radio." And so when we start recording. I had no idea. I had no idea because it was just, what, three events. You had a health event, you had yes. a financial event, yes. and then a family event. Yes. And then you found yourself somewhere that you never thought you would be, and that's in need and help. Seriously in need. Um, didn't have anything. And um, the guilt and the shame um, and the fact of isolating yourself like Kathy talked about because I had a five-bedroom house on the lake in Fayetteville. Um, worked in a professional um, position and was known all over. But now I go from instantly broken home, um, separated, children away from me, no job, no money. In debt. In debt. Yeah. Where do I turn? And and I had to battle with pride, and, um, and that's when I walked into the Real Life Center. What was a real life center? How did they help you on your faith journey? Well, when when I first initially walked in through the evaluation, they wanted to get to know me. Um, and the interviewer 
wanted to know about my story. And so I had to tell my, I didn't have to, but he opened up and I was able to tell my story about what happened to me, who I was. He was able to take notes. And we also talked about, (laughs) we talked about what I did. And I am a minister. And so everything was geared toward Christianity, geared toward spirituality and your faith. And see, that was the whole um, underlining um, theme was faith to get me back to where I was and believing. And after the whole process, uh, it kind of struck me funny, but I loved it. We prayed. Wow. Wow. And um, and I think what I love to hear is that it's not just a one-time, okay, here you go, but they're invested in your life, checking in with you, calling you and saying, Walter, how are you doing? Well, I may have had, over the year, I probably have had four or five calls. <laughs> wow. Just yeah. checking in, making just sure you're not. Just checking in. How are you doing? Um, and also they take great notes. So the follow-up calls. <laughs> so the follow-up They know calls, the right questions. <laughs> so the follow-up calls. Uh, so uh, it's great. So when they're talking to you, they're taking notes. So they remember about your kids. And then my year follow-up actually just happened about three or four weeks ago. Um, the gentleman was asking me, um, where are you in your progress? And my progress was, he said, well, are you, did you ever decide to go to school for free? I said, well, how did you know that? I'm at Mercer University now working on my graduate degree. Wow. So yeah. and I said, how did you remember that? He said, you wanted a job. Are you employed? And I said, yeah, I wanted a job. Mm. Give him back. Mm. I'm doing that now. So all the things I talked about a year ago at my lowest point, he wrote those down. And when he pulled my file a year later, he was able to ask me where I am. And, and I don't want people to miss that. A year ago. A year ago. A year ago. So uh, what would you say to that listener right now that's in a situation that they say is hopeless? I would tell them uh, as if when I was walking and I couldn't walk, um, I couldn't catch my breath really after the surgeries and I was in pain. And I heard the voice of God, a small, still voice said to me, one day you will be able to run. And I would go to the door and open up the door and look outside and hope and wish I could go out there, but I couldn't. But the voice said that one day I'll be able to run and go and be active. And at that moment, I couldn't sleep in a bed. I had to sleep in a chair. I was taking all kinds of medicines. But the faith that I had, but it was just a little faith the size of a mustard seed, but I had it watered by people, family, friends, and especially the Real Life Center. They put the water onto my seat. And so throughout that year, now, I got food the initial time I went, but I continued to get food and come every month to get food. So as I continued to come every month, I continued to see somebody to motivate me, to talk to me, to see how I was doing. And to value you as a person. Exactly. And that where you... When Kathy talks about building relationships. Yeah. Well, and first of all, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being willing um, to come in and to tell us um, and to give hope. You know, because my pastor already says, Walter, that you're either going into a trial, you're in a trial, or you've just come out of it. But that's just the cycle of being a Christian. 
and um, and so that you can give courage, hope um, that there is a season where you'll be out of this. This is for a moment. This is for a season, and that God has promised us that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And so I appreciate you being willing to share with us and. And and Kathy, the the great um, privilege of hearing these stories. I'm sure 20 years you hear these kind of stories time and time again, over and over again, um, because you, you said it beautifully um, to me uh, before we started recording. Of course, so I want to make sure you say it again now on mm-hmm. tape. But um, it's about neighbor helping neighbor. Right. You heard Walter mention that he felt a lot of shame for what he was, you know, it's hard to ask for help. I I really believe that's because God designed us to take responsibility for our lives. Sometimes we don't know how, sometimes we're too hopeless. When you go through a tough time, all you can think about is what's going on. And so it limits your objectivity. So initially when we started, I talked about a crisis strategy. If you don't help someone get through their crisis, And that's when we have that initial plan of action. If we can help with some bills and help you get stable. Rent or food, like Walter was coming in, Walter said every month, getting food. Yes. It's very hard to think about taking your responsibility or even hard to think about your tomorrows because our mind is very tunneled into, oh, my gosh, this is my life. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Oh, man, what am I going to do? It's this panic feeling. But if so, if we can come up with an initial plan that helps them, then immediately turn to thinking about tomorrow and the future. And so when Walter mentioned um, that they had taken good notes, it's because we asked him, what do you want your life to look like a year from now? Dream. Yes. And so it changes your perspective from, oh, I'm in this mess to, oh, there is hope for tomorrow. And so that's part of that accountability uh, piece that helps create the success in in change, really, for all of us. And just to know that there's somebody to, to walk alongside you. And I think there's another thing that Walter mentioned that I think is really key, is when you feel respected and when you feel valued by another person, even if you're not feeling it yourself, that's what gives you the courage and the confidence to say, okay, I can do something. But when you stay in that beaten down stage, it's really hard to take responsibility for your life. Mm -hmm. And so I loved hearing Walter's story. Most of all, I love to hear how Walter walked and was obedient to God even in the hard times. And yet just to have, first of all, I'm really happy to know that what we did worked, (laughs) (laughs) right? But, you know, for anybody that's out there listening you know, all it takes is to be a neighbor. Right. Um, when you're a, a giver and a receiver, the the receiver typically doesn't have as much power as the giver. But if you change that and it's neighbor helping neighbor, you're on the same you're on the same level. And that's what it's about is we are helping each other. Well, and how do you do that? Um, because what Real Life Center does is very unique because it is neighbor to neighbor. Mm-hmm. And um and it's not the giver and then the receiver and the receiver is right. down below. The giver is up high. Right. How do you do that? How? Do, I mean, because I know you do things like an orchard. Mm-hmm. That's very unique. Because if I want to value you, I'd rather give you fresh produce, which is healthy for you, than to give you a dented can of green beans. Right. If I'm trying to help instill value, which is going to show more value. 
the fresh produce that's picked just for you, grown and picked just for you. That I labored for. Right. And that, you know, we probably have a good um, 50 solid volunteers that help create that orchard. And Mm -hmm. last year, I think we grew something like 16,000 pounds of fresh produce that came back through the center. But if I want people to feel that neighbor helping neighbor, I have to help them feel that they're no different than me. And I truly consider Walter a friend. And it's not because we're sitting side by side. I consider that with a lot of the people or all of the people that walk through that we are no different. Um, I guess really, if I'm trying to instill value, first of all, I have to treat you with respect and dignity. But I also want to communicate that that's how God sees you and your value comes from who you are in Christ. And some people have never even heard that before. But it's not enough for me to tell them. I also have to show them in my actions. It's, you know, Jesus speaks about that, about let it not just your love be in words only, but in deeds. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what we need to do. It's not just hearing the gospel, but seeing the gospel in action. And we can all do that every single day. Right, right. Well, and it's even down to um, taking notes that what, like Walter, you were saying that, they took notes. They took really good notes. So they knew what to ask. And because what matters to me matters to them because I'm, I'm, I'm valued. Mm-hmm. If, if we have enough time, I'd love to share a quick story about those follow-up calls. So one of my heart's desire was not just to help somebody one time, but to stay connected to help. It's hard to say, yeah, I've changed someone's life because how do you measure change? Right. So I can help create stability and right now, that's one of our benchmarks, and, and we have a, a high um, percentage of our families that stay stable in their home after at the three-month mark, because research shows that when we first go through hard times, first of all, we go to our friends and our families, and we tap them out. Then we go to our church, and then as a last resort, we go to agencies. And then after we get help from agencies, the three-month point is another critical point because you're either going to make it or you're not. Because you can kind of, I cannot pay my water one month and pay my utilities and then go back and pay, you know. But at three months, it sort of catches up to you. So we have um, we have over 90% of our families still stable at the three-month mark. But to show a changed life, we that's where we start off with, well, where do you want your life to be and what goals can you set? And then we, the follow-up calls help measure those goals. And even if I can get somebody to think about tomorrow, I feel like that's success. But we were doing the follow-up calls a while back, and I'll never forget, I had a gentleman that walked into the center, and he didn't make eye contact with me. And he waited until I wasn't busy, and he asked if he could speak to me privately. And so we, we went into another room and spoke, and he said, I want you to know I'm here tonight because of your follow-up call. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, I was so hopeless. Even after being at your center, I just couldn't shake the hopelessness. And so I had a plan to take my life. And I said to God, if there's anybody in this world that cares, I Mm. won't do it. And I came home and there was a voicemail from y'all that said, hey, we're checking on you and we're praying for you. And he said, this is what's changed my life. Wow. And so... You know, again, for the listeners, take time to care for each other. That's what it's all about. That's what Neighbor Helping Neighbor is. It doesn't have to be a big organization. We started out delivering bread because we saw there was a resource and somebody who might need it. Hmm. Well, and Kathy, I know this uh, ministry has been going on 20 years here in uh, South Atlanta. 
But this is can be applied no matter where you live. Absolutely. If you're listening to Macon, Columbus, Athens, mm-hmm. Gwinnett, mm-hmm. these are concepts that can be done wherever. Right. And we're willing to help. We we actually took our model to a church out of state that served a little bit different demographic, and they've been very successful over the five years. So I think the principles are very transferable. And so that's our heart is to be able to share this, not to be this huge organization, but to stay in our own communities and truly neighbor help neighbor. Mm. You know, Moving forward, what is your vision and um, that you feel like God's putting on your heart when you think about Real Life Center the next 20 years? Mm-hmm. Well, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have 11 grandkids and my grandkids are always like, Gigi, when when can you quit work and when can you come and play? Because it is a little bit, you know, all consuming, but I love what I do and it really I was taught at a very young age that ministry is a way of life, no matter where you're at, what you do, and no matter where I'm at, I'll always have that mindset. So I'll be at Real Life Center as long as God keeps me there. But um, I, I think the thing that God is really laying on my heart is how do I help other communities be able to replicate and care for each other the same way that we have, or at least in some sort of fashion. And so that's that's probably the biggest thing that I see. And then we're always looking for ways to help different uh, arenas in our own community. So um, I just finished some training so that we can uh, partner with the court system Mm -hmm. and offer some of those classes at our center just so that people feel like they have a safe place to come to and understand that people really do care. Mm -hmm. So the needs might change and -hmm. needs do change, right, depending on what's going on. um, But the heart the heart, right? And, you know, every community um, will have different unique factors. In fact, Fayette County and Coweta County both are on target in the next 15 years to have a 23% increase in our senior population. Wow. So we're mindful of that as we think about what does that mean for the needs of our seniors? Right now, we have several senior programs that complement what other organizations do. But will there be more seniors that are still in their own homes but still need a sense of community that might not be able to go to the senior center? So we're always thinking that way. And for any community, it's just knowing what's in your own community. But it's hard to know if you stay in your own home. But if you're willing to get out and just help one person, that's what it's all about. That's where it starts. And it gets messy. It does. Ministry can be messy. Mm -hmm. But but think about our mess and Mm -hmm. that Jesus entered into our mess. Right. And God's not asking us to solve all the problems. Mm -hmm. He's asking, because I couldn't solve Walter's problems. I couldn't solve my own. Walter couldn't solve his own. I mean, you know, it was Walter shaking his head. Yes. (laughs) But we can walk alongside each other and support each other and encourage each other Mm -hmm. and help where we can. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, Kathy, I, I know that the road um, that you had to travel to get ready for this was hard, to say the least. And um, But isn't it neat to, to see God was preparing you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I always think that our mess becomes our message, right? And right. that our stories are really his story and it's for his glory. That's right. And all those things we walk through, the good and the bad, they help shape and mold us every bit of the way. And I I can look back and be very grateful for the things I've walked through because I can see how God used it. 
Mm-hmm. And that he's sovereign over everything, even the stuff mm-hmm. we don't like. Right. He's sovereign over it all. Right. It doesn't mean it's easy, does it, Walter? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. Well, listen, um, it, I know that, like you said, that this this can tr- this goes across the board, no matter where you live, no matter what state you're in, no matter what town, no matter what neighborhood you call home. Um, this can be um, used wherever. So, Kathy, how can somebody get in touch with you and get more information on Real Life Center mm-hmm. and maybe do something like this in their neighborhood? Sure. So a very easy way is just through email, uh, rlc at reallifecenter.org. Uh, you can go to our website. You can always get in touch with me. All our information's on there. But if you just think Real Life Center org and we're we're easy to connect with right and then listen um if you got any problems get in touch with kathy by any chance you can always reach out to me and i will be sure to connect everybody together that's awesome thanks i right, thank you and walter i appreciate um and hey listen you're looking good for somebody that h- how long were you um 18 minutes 18 minutes well thank you wow <laughs> wow quite a story yeah mm. Beautiful picture of what God does. Very much so. And I appreciate your uh, willingness to share. Um, Kathy, your willingness to share your story. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, uh, we can all be here together and giving God the glory. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for having us.